Hello, beautiful. I'm your host and coach, Samantha Roberto, and I want to thank you for joining this conversation. We are a space of women empowering women, and each week we feature an empowered woman's vulnerable story because it's so important to have these conversations so that we can learn and grow from one another. So go subscribe to get your weekly dose of inspiration. So before we jump into this week's episode and a topic that I am so excited to share with you guys, honestly, the conversation is golden. I wanted to ask, have you ever thought about launching your own podcast? Over the past year and a half that I have been producing this show, so many of you guys have reached out and shared with me that, you know, you've kind of thought about having your own podcast and, you know, ask questions of how to do it, what would it entail, where do you start, what equipment do you use, and I am so excited to share that I just put together the podcast launch guide, and it is sharing everything that I do to get my weekly show out and it shares the story of how I did it in only 24 hours. And what that means to you is that if you have wanted to launch your own podcast but have had no clue where to start, where to go, what to do, this guide is going to make it so easy and so fun. And before you know it, your message is going to be out into the world. And the real value is how good you're going to feel when you launch your own show. For those of you guys that are new here, like I mentioned, I launched my very first episode. I recorded it. I edited it. I produced it. I came up with the name. I did my podcast cover art, pretty much all of the things in 24 hours. And yes, you can actually, after this episode, go back and listen to episode one and episode two. I did both of those in a 24-hour period. And it's so funny because for months, podcasting was such a daunting task. It was like, oh my gosh, you know how it gets with life, right? Like there's these things that we know we're meant to do, but then we procrastinate and we push it off. And the more that we push those things off, it's like the bigger they build and the more like heavy they become. That was honestly my podcasting journey until one moment, one period, I was just like, I'm ripping off this band-aid. And within 24 hours, I got into the zone and I did everything to get this show birthed and out into the world. And I made a lot of mistakes. Like looking back at that version of myself, I have so much love for her because she had no clue what she was doing, but she went and did the darn thing anyways. And here we are 67 episodes later, and I am taking everything I learned on my podcasting journey, and I am handing it over to you. So if you've wanted to get your show out into the world, and if you've ever even considered podcasting, head over to the show notes, go get your guide, and I cannot wait to see your show birth to the world. As for today's episode, I am super excited to share with you where this conversation is going. So today we have Kelly Tennant, who is just such a beautiful soul. Kelly seduces women to be their wild selves. She is an intuitive facilitator, the host of two top-rated podcasts, The Kelly Show and OK Babe, a Reiki practitioner, a woman's circle facilitator. She's board certified in hypnotherapy and a huge plant medicine advocate. After years of illness and detachment, Kelly utilized ayahuasca and psilocybin, somatic therapy and energy healing modalities to expand into her sexual and spiritual connected self. Today, she supports women as they break free from limiting beliefs, melt into their desires, and find truth in their own bodies. You guys are going to love today's conversation. It is a topic I have yet to bring to the platform, so I am super excited about that. And I would love to hear your take on today's episode. So make sure you go over to Instagram, screenshot it, and tag at Samantha Roberto to let me know what you think about this topic. So on that note, let's get to it. (music) 
Callie, I am so excited to have this conversation with you today. I just feel like there's so many topics that I haven't really delved into yet in the space that are going to naturally come up through our conversation. So first off, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you as well. So I would love just before we jump into all of the topics for you to share a little bit about your story and how you got into the line of work that you're into. Because I feel like whenever somebody is really living in their passion and their purpose, it's because they know what it was like to totally be out of line of that. And then once they find it, it's like, oh my gosh, I just need to like everything to share this magic with the world. So please tell us your story. That is exactly it. You hit it spot on. Um, I saw what the other side was like and I realized that I didn't like it at all. <laughs> so it's kind of multifaceted the way I got here. And I think that's kind of for everybody. But for me, I was a, a top level volleyball player uh, throughout my life, played volleyball at USC, always knew that I wanted to be a TV host. So I went into that right after graduating graduating. Um, but during that time, I had chronic illness. And so I had to quit my volleyball career two years early. I was bedridden. I had these mystery illnesses. I had world-renowned doctors who had no idea what was going on. And it was a, a really, really scary time for me at 19 years old to be on a full-ride scholarship at USC, be the captain of a Final Four team, and have to give up my entire life, my entire identity almost overnight. And so that really, I think, is what catapulted me into a new direction. Um, it was like planting the seeds for all of these little things. And so sick for 15 years while also being a TV host. And I was in sports working for the Dodgers and the Lakers and traveling all over the country and working crazy nights. You know, sports go until 11 o'clock midnight doing a postgame show. And sometimes baseball games go for seven hours. You just don't have control. And so I was really feeling like I lived a double life. So there was the TV version of me who would show up and look cute and put on the dress and the makeup and smile and entertain thousands of people on live TV. And then I would go home and cry and want to die because I was in so much pain and I couldn't even see straight. And my whole body from head to toe was in severe pain. And I just couldn't like fathom living another day. Mm -hmm. And that was exhausting. Um, I think within that as well, I was in so much masculine energy, just working in sports and being with men for so many years. And at the time, it was fine because I had been with girls my whole life and I had been bullied a lot and I had you know played sports with girls. And so I was like, I think I just need a break from women and feminine energy, which at the time I was not spiritual at all. So I just was like, I hate girls. They suck. And so then I was surrounded by men. And then that got super toxic because it was completely imbalanced. And so I was one of the only women in the room almost all the time and, you know, went through different sexual assault situations and just feeling like I know that I want more friends that are women. I know I want more of that energy, but I don't know how to access it because not only had I been bullied, not only had I been raised in a very competitive atmosphere playing sports. But now I'm in a cutthroat industry where it's every woman for her own. God forbid we help each other because you know there's only room for so many of us. And so it was just these constant like beliefs and patterns that I think were just tearing me down. And I just knew that there had to be something else. And so my body finally hit a point where it was like, can't do this anymore. This is really bad. And I left that career behind. Um, I just up and left. And it was the most important thing I ever did for myself because my health completely transformed after that. That's when I started getting into plant medicine. I started cultivating incredible relationships with women. I knew I wanted to be of service. I knew I could use all of my skills and talents that I had you know, curated over years as a TV host and a reporter and take them into something else. And so that's when I started my podcast and had my own show and started talking about chronic illness and alternative medicine and going to shamans and female leaders and, and all these different things that I had never really talked about or understood. And I just dove head in. And this was about two years ago. And I haven't looked back. And it's really been for me, um, just finding different ways to be of service, different ways to have transparency and community and honor myself and honor my body and understand how to really be connected with my body and what it's telling me. So beautiful. So I'm curious, from the age of 19, when you started noticing the symptoms coming up, how many years was that journey of just like, Really, your body was sick. Your body was sort of layering all these things before you actually reached that breaking point where you were like, enough, I quit. How long were you in that cycle? Yeah. So it was about 19 to 30. Wow. 
But it started even before 19 because I had mono for eight months my freshman year of college. And then right before that, I had pneumonia for four months. And I basically played through everything. Um, So I was chronically ill from about 17 until I was 30. Wow. And the reason why I asked that is because I feel like so, like our society in general is so used to just like, just accepting illness and thinking that it's normal, that it's just like, oh yeah, I'm just tired. Oh yeah, I'm just not feeling good today. Oh yeah, I'm just, you know, and you make these excuses when in reality, like through your story, it's just like, it's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My parents did their best and I'm so grateful. And, you know, it was really hard for my mom when I started to find out what was actually wrong. When I found my functional medicine doctor, Dr. Lekos, when I found my Ayurvedic doctor, Marta Sover, they started to help me put the pieces together. And my mom carried so much guilt because she was like, I was feeding you bagels and pasta and, you know, all these things. And I thought that I was like fueling you as an athlete and I was making you sick. And I'm like, mom, you did your best. Like nobody knew. No one knew about this stuff back then. It was still so unknown. It was still just the beginning stages of alternative medicine. It was so woo woo if you did anything outside of going to see a Western doctor. There's nothing else she could have done. And I was seeing actual world renowned doctors from USC who treat like stars of the stars, you know, and they had no clue what was happening. And so, I think you're right. It's like you don't know and it's really scary and you have to rely on being your own best advocate and doing research and looking outside of the box. And this isn't even just for health. This is in anything. It's like we are raised to live in a box and to be controlled and to think a certain way about everything. And so it's really scary to take that step out and think, oh, there might be something else because that's the unknown. We don't go there. You know, that's where the fear is. That's where bad, dangerous things happen. And it's like, actually, that's where all the good shit probably is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. And I love that you just mentioned that we are raised to live in a box because this is a perfect segue into a part of your healing, which is the plant medicine. And I, I really do feel that that box that we're put in that puts so much pressure that you can become almost like a pressure cooker because your soul just wants to explore. It wants to be free. It wants to you know, really embody creativity, but in the box that we're put in, it's just rigid and it can be, you know, really challenging. But plant medicine, which is really cool, is one way to sort of dissolve and experience life beyond that box. Mm -hmm. So can you speak to, I mean, for anybody listening, they're like, what is plant medicine? Like, where is this conversation going? Like, can you just give us the 101 of it? Yeah, it's so funny. I just had like this visual of me before I had ever done plant medicine, probably listened to a conversation like this, like, oh, dear God, here we go. These (laughs) bitches. Um, (laughs) Yes, we are. And plant medicine is so powerful and special. And the reason I came to um, to sitting with plant medicine is because I felt like I had done a lot of work myself. I had, you know, talked to coaches and read all the self help books and journaled and you know cried and gone to therapy for God knows how many years. Like I had done so many things, and I got to a point where I had healed a lot. I had gotten a lot better from chronic illness, from you know. Uh, limiting beliefs, all these things. But I reached that point where I couldn't help myself go any further. Like I needed external assistance to help me gain more access to myself. I didn't need someone to come fix it or tell me what to do, but I needed more access to myself where I was still blocked. And I had a girlfriend. She's kind of been my guinea pig for all of these things. She also has chronic illness and she's also done a lot of plant medicine. We had randomly talked about ayahuasca and she said, I found these people. They sound incredible. Um, I know some of the people who have sat with them. I'm going to go do this. And I was like, okay, you go do it and make sure that everything's okay. And then I'll go do it. Go test it out and then come back and let me know. And then we'll see. Yeah. And she had the most transformative experience. And I was like, okay, I'm in. So I go and it was in Santa Cruz and it was this couple who I absolutely love. And they had been, um, you know, with the medicine for so, so many years and had had their own center in Peru and in Mexico. And so they were extremely well qualified, um, had learned from the healers in Peru in the jungle. Um, so I felt really safe and I loved their practice. And what I think I did really well going into it was I had no expectations. I didn't ask my friend like, okay, tell me everything that happened to you and then put all these ideas in my head of what my experience was going to be like. I went in completely open and my intention the entire weekend was show me what I'm meant to see. 
That's it. Mm, I didn't that's say, powerful. No, I didn't say because I was going through a breakup at the time and had gone through something really difficult over the holidays. I didn't say, okay, help me process this or tell me if I'm supposed to be with him. It was show me what I'm meant to see. And God, did I get what I was meant to see? It was unbelievable. It was reliving my birth. It was understanding my relationship with my mom. It was feeling like back in my body as a child, sobbing and feeling so chaotic and out of control because no one was listening to me. Um, And I was just like writhing in pain because I just didn't feel heard or acknowledged. Um, And then there was like these orgasmic, ecstatic feelings that I was having where I felt so um, sensual and connected to my body in ways I never had before. And I just felt like I was being unlocked in a lot of ways. And so I came out of that weekend. The way I describe it is... I feel like ayahuasca takes you and you're a box of puzzle pieces and it just shakes you up and then it helps you put yourself back together and it gives you pieces that were missing. Mm. I felt like I was giving pieces of myself that I had been missing where I think a lot of us go through life and we're like, but why am I like that? This literally makes no sense. I don't understand why I feel this, why I think this, why I do this. And I started getting those pieces where I was able to put it back together and be like, oh, now I see myself. Now I get this. And mm-hmm. I was able to operate in a different way. And um, a couple months later, I went to another ayahuasca retreat. It was my boyfriend's retreat down in Costa Rica. And it was very different. It was a different tradition, but it was also incredibly powerful. And it was very much an empowering thing for me. The Shipibo tradition, all the lights are off. You're very much with yourself. And so the first time I did it, I had a lot of healers working on me, hands-on, helping me. Um kind of process everything. They were very much there and there there was more lights and all that. This was you are to yourself. If you need someone and it's emergency, of course, someone is there. You're safe, but you really are with yourself and your experience. And that was incredibly empowering because I learned to trust myself in new ways. And I also had my partner across the room from me and mm-hmm. we were in each other's experiences on the medicine. And so we would come out of ceremony and talk about it and we would have, we would be having conversations with each other across the room, like 30 feet away from each other and had no idea. And then we come out and I'm like, I was saying this to you. And he's like, but you were saying that, you know, and so like, it's like, it happened. You're like, it was real. Like you shared that experience on a deep soul level. Yeah. And so I just think that with every time I've sat with, whether it's ayahuasca or psilocybin, I haven't done a ton of things um, yet, but every time it's really expanded my heart it's helped me trust myself more and it's giving me more access to who I am and my truth. And for me, that is so empowering and so important because I think that we live in a society that is disempowered and we live in a lot of noise and chaos that is not ours. Mm -hmm. And there is this beautiful experience you can have when you really surrender into the medicine and allow it to show you what you are meant to see. I feel like with the medicine, I haven't done it yet. It's totally on my radar. And I have a few like, you know, apprehensions a little bit with it that we'll we'll get into in a second because I would love to share. But I feel like what you said to get the pieces that we're missing sometimes in life. And I, this is what I believe is that we can, and we do sort of hold ancestral pain too. And ancestral pieces that even in this lifetime, we might not, unless in deep states of meditation, or you kind of get those pieces, it's like, it's harder to access them. But something like ayahuasca might bring those pieces of generational healing to the surface. And then you can see it or like, that's why it wasn't even my stuff, but it was my great, great grandmother's or, you know, like just something down the line. And you can really through these type of ceremonies and the cycle and the pattern of, you know, of the pain or of the hurt or of the, you know, contraction. Mm-hmm. I agree. And that brings um, something up. My girlfriend, she sat with the same people I did uh, shortly after I was there and she relived the Holocaust. And yeah, like her lineage, she relived it during her ceremony. I mean, talk about seven hours of fucking hell, right? She had to feel that and go through it. That's what she was meant to see and experience to understand her lineage and what she was processing for them and healing for them. And she came back and told her mom and her mom was like, thank you for helping heal our family. Um, Mm -hmm. And Connor, he died a bunch of times during his ayahuasca ceremonies and he was living like in all different places. It was like his soul had, you know, been in Korea and then it had been in this place and it had died in so many different ways. And he just kept dying over and over and over again. And 
that maybe that was his lineage. Maybe that was past lives. Like you don't know. And it's, you don't necessarily need to know, but yes, we carry that trauma with us. It's not just this lifetime. It's so many things that happened before. And those things and those experiences are stored in our tissues. And that is what causes illness. And that is what causes stress and anxiety. And so if you're able to heal that back and back and back and back, then you're releasing generations of trauma and you're not taking it on to your children. Mm, that is so powerful. I have complete body chills right now. Literally, my hair is on my arm standing. <laughs> so I want to know for you, how did you change? How many plant medicines you've done? You've done it twice. So I've sat, yeah, two weekends of ceremonies. So six, six nights. Um, yeah. And then I've done, I've done a lot of mushrooms over the last year and a half. Um, I microdose and I do a lot of like ceremonies by myself. Um, I love mushrooms so much. They are my medicine. I'm so pro as well. Like I just, I tried them for the first time earlier this year and I'm like, this is brilliant. Like I really do feel like, especially for someone, and this isn't me, but someone who might be like, feel like emotions are locked, whether it's depression or anxiety or like that piece of mushrooms, psilocybin, like coming in and unlocking, I feel like it has the capacity to really heal our society. I'm really excited about where things are going with this. I agree. It is magical. And for me, I just, when I microdose, I do such a small amount and sometimes I'll work. Like I wrote an entire, my last program I just did, I wrote an entire program in an hour and I did such a small amount of mushrooms, but I was so laser focused. And what it does for me is it releases all doubt and questioning. It's like, fully connected to the divine download. This is what you're doing. This is how it is. This is how it's structured. Boom, 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 done. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like it's you're just a vessel. You're just yeah. coming through and there's nothing like 3d blocking you. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, but no one will like this or how much should I charge? They told me what to charge. They told me exactly how to put the, the freaking sales page together. They said, this is how many people. And I sold out the same program twice in two weeks. And it was exactly how it was laid out. I'm like, I literally don't feel like I had anything to do with this. This was all plant medicine, just allowing it to guide me. Did you see Becoming Nobody, Ram Das? No. Have you watched it? Uh-uh. Oh my gosh, you have to watch. Ram Das has, there's the new movie. It's called Becoming Nobody. Okay. Anyways, everybody who's listening, please watch this. He is a genius. And he you know, was experimenting with a guy named Timothy Leary. Have you ever oh, yeah. heard of Timothy Leary? So I, through that movie, found Timothy Leary. And I just went into this rabbit hole maybe two weeks ago. And I just became like, it was one night and I just got so obsessed with his life and how he was just a true artist at the time and everything they were living and fighting for. And the way he lived, I was just like, you guys Google him, <laughs> look into him because it is incredible what they were living for and fighting for back then. And um, surprisingly enough, the the song Come Together by the Beatles, John Lennon had wrote that to support Timothy Leary when he ran for some like political thing in California. And he was all about like, pro plant medicine, like really at the forefront saying this will heal our world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it will. And I think people are starting to see that and more people are diving in. And, you know, I'm sure you know this too. There's like what is public and then what is behind the scenes happening. And I'm working with this man right now. Um, his name is Howard Wills. I think you would love him because you talk about ancestral trauma. He yeah. helps you heal your lineage. Um, and the people that he works with are some of the most famous people in the world. But you don't hear about that. Like that's not on E! News or that's not in whatever. They're not tweeting about it or putting it on their Instagram. Once that stuff starts to come out, which I think is what we're dealing with right now in COVID and everything happening, these shifts in the world, the the shedding, the changing from 3D to 5D or whatever you want to call it, like the awareness that is happening once those people start being honest about what they've actually been doing behind the scenes, that is going to change everything because they are doing plant medicine. They are sitting with shamans. They are going to the jungle. They are working with healers. That is what is going on. They are ascending. They are becoming more aware. And the second that happens, I believe we're going to see such a massive shift of people mm -hmm. who are open to things like mushrooms, like ayahuasca. And it's not going to necessarily be trendy. It's going to be this is how you actually heal. This is how you come back to yourself. This is the way. Mm -hmm. I have a quote actually I wrote down before this. It was Ram Dass and it says, as you dissolve into love, your ego fades. You're not thinking about loving 
you're just being love and radiating like the sun. And it really is that embodiment of who you really are. And when we speak about healing, that's what it is. It's remembering and coming back into your essence of like of love, Mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah, it's so true. And I think people have this idea and it, they'll hear everything is love, be love. And they're like, it's so hippy dippy. That's so woo woo. I get it. And the hippies were up to something like they were totally. right. And there's a reason that when you look at people who come from a place of love, yeah, maybe they don't shower. Maybe they don't shave their armpits or like wash their hair. Uh, and maybe they live in a bus or a tiny home. They're the happiest people on the planet though. Like mm-hmm. cultures that focus on love and don't have much are the happiest people out there. Yet here we are, whether it's Canada or America or these, you know, first world problems, we're yeah. not happy. <laughs> yeah. We're not coming from love. Yeah. Like, it's pretty obvious to me. Totally. Totally. I mean, it's, it's so simple <laughs> that it's like, we complicate it and our minds try to like understand it and this. And then we put so many layers there and we're like, wait a second, let's just dissolve it. Like it's so simple. And I mean, I personally, my journey, I, you know, went through a dark night of the soul. I sort of reached a point where I was like that little voice within was like, there's more, even though I was checking all of society's boxes, I'm like, there's more. So I grabbed a backpack. I walked away from everything and went traveling to over 50 countries. And that was just, you know, really was the catalyst to experiencing the dark night, which is essentially a similar deconstruction to what you can get by going through an ayahuasca ceremony. So I, even though I haven't done it yet, I'm so behind what the experience can bring. That said, I told you I had some like apprehensions. So I want to talk to you about it because <laughs> I really like it's, it's on my radar of things to do and it's sort of coming up and I trust divine timing. My only qualm or apprehension that I've heard is I'm I've heard some people having experiences where they leave their body and then something else comes back in. So when they come back in, it's like they feel like there's just something off or something there. Have you spoken to anybody who you've met that have experienced something like that? Um, I wouldn't say that necessarily. But what I do know is that whether you're in a, a mushroom ceremony, ayahuasca, like any plant medicine, you are opening up your energy for entities of all kinds. Like good, bad, negative, ugly, whatever. And so when we sit in Costa Rica, the two shamans that we work with, they go around and they sing Icaros to you. Everybody gets their own song and they sing the song mm. of the plants to you. It's whatever mm. they see in you because they kind of like scan you and they know what you need. And so they'll sing you this song and then they come up to you and you're, you're on your knees ideally or like sitting there like, you know, hands out open receiving. Um, And they come to you and they have this, like, I don't even know what it is, but they use this liquid and then they, they put it in their hands and then they blow it into you. And Mm -hmm. if there's any entity that has entered into your body, they remove it. And it doesn't happen often. Like oftentimes they're like blessing you and like cleansing you. But I had twice when I was there, they had to remove an entity from me. Um, and so it's like a very specific movement that they do like on your head and the whole thing. Um, And I have noticed that in mushroom experiences around other people, I feel like I take on their stuff. Mm. Um, And so I believe that it is normal. And I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with it. But I believe that having someone available to you in integration after it's over, that can help you, whether it's ridding of that energy or clearing your space or whatever that is, I believe is really important. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Cause it's one thing that I've caught, you know, sort of heard. So what would be for somebody who's listening? That's like, you know, we're speaking to them. They've been thinking about it and this is bringing it more to the forefront or somebody who's never heard of it. And is really just feeling this like pull from our conversation that like I'm called to explore and try this. What would be some suggestions you have for finding a shaman or finding where to go? Cause I know like finding somewhere that's really aligned and someone who's can hold the space is really important, especially to the point that you just spoke to. Like if an entity was to come into me, I want to know that I'm in good hands, that they can come and do their magic and their, you know, singing and moves to, you know, clear it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm totally with you. I think one of the the first pieces of recommendation I would give is um, I would never just go down to the jungle by yourself to a place that you don't know anyone has gone to. Connor taught me this because Connor has actually sat in a lot more ayahuasca ceremonies than I have. He started this journey far before I did. And that is a very dangerous thing to do to just like Google ayahuasca centers 
in the jungle and then go down there sight unseen. Um, there, look, spirituality is a billion dollar business. Let's just fucking put it out there. People will take your money. People are out of integrity with the medicine. They don't care if you're safe. They live in danger. It's kind of just what it is. So mm-hmm. that being said, it doesn't mean don't go do it, but it means you need to be mindful. The first thing I would do is to find people like me who have gone places. And if you've gone multiple places, great, then you have options so that you know that this is a vetted place that can be trusted that many, many people have gone to. So you know the quality of the shamans, uh, the healers, whoever it is that is facilitating, understand the layout of how the ceremonies are, what tradition is it. There's a place in Costa Rica that I just don't recommend to people. And I, I won't say the name, but they have like a 100 people in a ceremony. And they only have a a few facilitators and they do a different tradition every night. I do not believe that is an integrity with the medicine. That being said, I know countless people who have gone, who have loved it, who have felt Mm -hmm. totally safe and have had amazing experiences. That is just not what I believe to be the integrity of the medicine. Um, So the other thing too is everyone calls themselves a shaman now. Um, I could literally call myself a shaman and people would believe me. I'd be like, really? yeah, I have been chosen. Like I am dishing out the medicine, like come sit with me. If you like play the role, people will believe that. That doesn't mean that I'm a shaman. Like it just doesn't mean that. And that's one of the best pieces of advice I got from the, the healer that I worked with here in the United States. He said, look, I have seen all the healers. Like I have been in Peru. I lived there for 12 years. I worked with all of the like ancient healers there. And I've only met one man who should be considered a shaman. And he was a hundred years old and he has been working with a medicine his entire life. And he is like the chosen one. Mm -hmm. And he says, I do not call myself a shaman. And you be very wary of anyone who runs around calling themselves a shaman because there's a reason they feel a need to title themselves in that way. Mm. So keep that in mind as well. Um, I think that plant medicine is meant to be done outside of the United States where it comes from. So going to places like safe spots in Peru, Costa Rica has some really beautiful places where we went is Soltara. I trust them with my life. They have the most incredible healers. Um, they rotate them, but these people have been in the jungle working with the plants since they're 10 years old. Like they are so in integrity. Um, they're incredible people. Um, the whole retreat center is about ayahuasca. So you only go there for ayahuasca. No one's there like to go get massages and like have fancy meals. It's only there for that. And they only allow 20 people. Mm. You have 20 people in the, um, in the ceremony, but then you have the two shamans and then you have the two facilitators sitting there. You also have facilitators sitting in on the ceremony with you and you have someone at the door and there's security outside. Like you are so safe. Yeah. And they take you as soon as you get to uh, San Juan, you're in a hotel with everyone you're at the retreat with. Then they come get you and they take you there. And it's a three hour trip, but you are with your group and you are safe the whole time. To me, as a young woman, that's really important. Like, totally. I felt safe from day one and never had a question about what was happening. Um, that being said, the people I worked with here in the United States in, in um, Santa Cruz were amazing, but they're not from here. So it was kind of like, it felt so genuine and authentic to me. And I knew that they had been working with people for a long time. And I knew people that had gone and had incredible results and felt very safe. So that's what I would say. If you listen to podcasts, reach out to people who have been go to vetted places and don't ever do it because you feel like you're supposed to. You're not supposed to be talked into plant medicine. I will never tell anyone you should do it. You need to feel called you're going to be scared. I'm still scared and I've done it. It brings up fear. It brings up like, what am I going to see? That's normal. But if you're feeling like, oh, I'm supposed to go do this thing, do not do it. Mm, All good. Really, really good advice. And I think like you said, like the most important at your core is that safety. Mm -hmm. So feeling really safe about the decision to go, but then also feeling safe with where you are and who's facilitating it. Because I think that's another big thing. Like you said, there's so many quote unquote shamans out there. And spirituality is a billion dollar business. It's like, you know, you know, you really want to make sure an experience like that, that you're in a container that's solid. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. And if any of your listeners are curious, feel free to DM me, message me. I'm happy to help you navigate that process. 
I love it. So I'm curious, one thing uh, in your description that you had here was you that you seduce women to their wild selves. <laughs> Can you elaborate? Because I love it. I read that. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Thank Kelly. You. I mean, I didn't come up with that. Um, I saw that and I was like, wait, that's what I do. Yeah. I was so disconnected from my body sexually. Um, and it wasn't about necessarily being with other people, but it was just being with myself. Like I didn't want to be present in my body for so much of my life. I didn't want to be alive. Like being alive was too hard. And so if you don't actually want to be alive, then how are you supposed to be connected with your, your femininity, with your sexuality, uh, with your body, with that divine goddess within you? And I just really like turned away from her and. Through doing plant medicine and all of the personal development and, you know, working with all of these different healers and then doing somatic therapy, I felt like I was seduced back into my body. Mm. And I felt like I became a seductress for myself where I, and this might sound weird and I'm still kind of navigating how to describe this, but it's almost like I was turned on by myself. Mm-hmm. I think that for so long, I was, I turned away from myself. I was, I didn't like myself when I was working in TV and doing all these things. And I was sick. I hated my body. I hated who I was. I hated the life that I had. It felt so, um, just disingenuine and inauthentic. And I just never liked this experience I was having. And then I went through all of these different experiences and I came to this point where I was like, wow, like, I love myself. I'm turned on by myself. I find myself sexy and that there's nothing wrong with that. But we're taught that that's weird. Like it's still the program in my head is like, you sound really weird talking about this, you know? And so I'm still breaking that pattern. But for me, it's how can I help women find their wild? And mm. I love Atticus. I don't know if you know of Atticus, the poet. Love him. Yeah, I love him. My show a few weeks ago, and it was so fucking cool. But I love him because he really explains the female experience, even though he's not a woman, in such a beautiful way. And it always is coming back to the wild woman. It's always coming back to the essence of who we are. And for me, that's what I needed to find is outside of this box I've been in, outside of expectations, outside of standards and beliefs and patterns and all of these things, there is this wild woman who is a like feminine, has feminine prowess and is the sexual goddess. And that is who I always wanted, but I thought was weird and I judged. And so then I became her. (laughs) Of course, we always become what we judge in some way. And then I was like, oh, I can help women step outside the box, get outside of the norms, really get back connected with their body, be present in their body, actually want to be alive, let go of all these limiting beliefs and things that they thought they had to do or should do. And then when they do that, they are seducing themselves. They're falling back in love with themselves and their true wild nature. And it doesn't look... I'm not... I'm not like so spiritual that I'm like out in the mountains painting myself, like running around naked and doing the thing. Though I think that's amazing. That's just not my personality. I think there's totally a time and place for that. I can't wait to go to Burning Man one day so that I can do that. And like huge burner right here. I'm like such, I go with my mom. My mom introduced me to Burning Man. (laughs) We burn as a family. It's super fun. I need to find you and burn with you and your mother. We totally will. We're already putting it out there. We're just going to like somehow at Burning Man cross paths and be like, oh my God, remember in this moment we talked Mm -hmm. about it? This is the way it works. It's going to (laughs) happen. Like I know that that doesn't resonate with a lot of people. And so I feel like I'm sort of that bridge into just finding yourself and your truth. And a wild woman is someone who is just true to herself who lets go of all the noise and is true to what feels in alignment for her, however that looks. And that's what I really want women to feel empowered and confident to find within themselves and know that they're their own healers and that they don't need anyone else, but to come back to themselves. Mm, I am so for it. (laughs) I am so for it. I'm soaking it all in. It is so beautiful. And I'm so for it. And like, when you think of the, the other option, which is like you said, like the other option, the way you were living before and literally feeling like you didn't even want to be alive. It's like, look at the opposite ends of the spectrum to like totally be embodied in your wildness and your femininity. But the thing is, and I also believe this is that the female power, like the energy of the female is so freaking powerful that we've been repressed for, for like, years and years and years and years 
because it is so freaking powerful. So as you tap into it and it comes out, it's like, yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing. But society and you know other things I think over generations have really tried to lock that down. I had this vision, and I don't know if it was plant medicine or what, but it was sometime last year in an experience I was having where I had this vision of like, and this sounds so odd, but like a mini version of myself, like five inches tall inside of my stomach, like in my womb space. And I had been pushing her down there my whole life. And then I had this vision of her like coming up my up my body and like rising, like Phoenix rising from the ashes. Mm. And she came out of me and like just took up all the space. And it was like, I freed that like little person inside of me who kept being shoved down and being told, stay small. You're not good enough. Stay inside of there. Like we don't do this. And then she just kept coming up. And as she came up, she like bring all these awarenesses and things that I had been ignoring or suppressing for so long. And it was like, all right, I'm here. Let's do this. You know? <laughs> And here's all your truth. Okay, it's time. And that was such a fantastic experience because I I had that. I think sometimes it's hard to see within ourselves what's happening. So if we can put it outside of ourselves, like, oh, it's a it's our inner child. Like that's my little girl sitting next to me. How mm-hmm. would I talk to her rather than I'm just talking to myself, you know? So mm-hmm. I feel like for me, bringing up that like tiny little person and let, letting her grow and letting her expand felt a lot better for me at the time than just acknowledging, okay, that is still me. (laughs) It Mm -hmm. was like, oh, it's separate. Okay. I can cultivate this and honor her experience. Yes. She can come up and be free. Um, the same way you would to like a little girl who wants to dance around and say, yeah, dance, twirl it. Let's go play. Let's do the thing. Whatever feels good for you. I think that's kind of where I was in, in my growth of allowing myself to expand at that time. So beautiful. And it's all in that awareness piece, right? Like you don't even have to like label it or understand it and analytically. It's just in the essence of letting that energy come up and just seeing it and witnessing it is so freaking powerful. And that can completely like shift or change or give you a puzzle piece. Like you said, like it's just a missing puzzle piece that needed to go there. And all of a sudden you're blossoming. Mm -hmm. It's like this beautiful flower is finally blossoming into, you know, into life. Oh my gosh. I love our conversation. I'm curious. I haven't talked to a lot of people about this, but this is kind of where I am now. I would love to know your perspective. I feel like not everything is meant to be understood. Totally. And I, I feel like I've come to that point. My partner always talks about like, don't create a story out of something just because you feel like you need to understand it. And that goes back to plant medicine. I think a, a lot of mistakes we make in plant medicine is it's like, oh, I saw this thing. I saw this person. That's my future husband. Okay. And then we're going to have kids and you create this like whole dialogue around it. And it's like, that might not have been what you, <laughs> you might have just like, could have been a passerby. Um, but I feel like I'm at this point and I've gone through a lot of death and grieving this year and. I feel like that has really brought me to this point where I realize I don't know that everything is meant to be understood or have a story. I think sometimes things are just meant to be. And if something comes out of it, it does. Maybe it's 10 years from now I understand it. But I would love your perspective on that. Totally. I, you know, I was actually talking to someone yesterday about this. She's one of the most analytical people I know. She has a really hard time going into her body, like everything, like very just in her head and very this and, and she's aware of it and anything she tries, it's really, really challenging to actually get into her body. So as I was talking to her yesterday, she did, um, she tried cold plunges for the first time mm-hmm. and the shock of the ice baths really sort of shocked her system when she got out, it was like, it created that little bit more space, you know, like you had explained earlier, it really shook you up and then like it shakes you upside down. And then, you know, so it shook her upside down and created that space. And what I told her, I said, listen, as you go through this process, like really stick with the cold plunges, but let go. You don't need to understand the space that's being created through those experiences with your body. Just let it be. You know, when your mind tries to come in and analyze like, oh, this, oh, this, or that piece and analyze what's happening, just let it be and know that, say that experience of, of doing that, the cold plunges, what your body is actually releasing let it release without attachment to creating a story or to creating anything and know that you're, you're, you know, you're healing and just trust and surrender to the process. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all for you as well. Like on that, that we don't need to understand every single piece. But what I do believe is that everything is happening in divine timing and in divine order. So even though right now, like the chaos that's happening with the world, 
with, you know, COVID and with the states and elections, like there is so much pressure in my heart of all hearts really believe that like, this is almost like an infection and the pus is coming to the surface. The pus is coming to the surface and we don't have to understand it, but what we do need to do, and this is our individual, like personal responsibility is find more love within each of ourselves, like individually do the work to find more love so that we can show up more loving as our world and our earth goes through this healing process. And I I do feel that all of this is happening in a way in divine timing too. Like even when it's the craziest effing year ever and like the, the stuff we're seeing is so bad, we don't have to understand it, but it it is healing. Donald Trump is our president uh. <laughs> and might be our president again. So when you talk about pus, I just want to make this statement because I'm not here to talk about politics. Yeah. But I believe on a spiritual level, we put him in that position in order for all of this to come forward because Black Lives Matter and women's rights and freaking Epstein and Weinstein, like all these things. Think about the last two years and what we have been in in COVID and people dying and everyone's against everyone and this polarity and this battling. I only believe that this is happening because we created this circumstance for us to break free, to shed and to have a new level of awareness. But you don't, it's like everything we just talked about. I had to hit rock bottom over and over again in order to grow and in order to have awareness, to Mm -hmm. surrender to what was meant for me. Mm-hmm. We had not hit rock bottom yet, though we probably should have many times before we hadn't. And mm-hmm. now we have. And mm-hmm. it's incredibly apparent, apparent no matter what you believe. Mm-hmm. This had to happen in order to have the shift that I believe we really want and need in this world. Completely agree. And even, you know, personally, for me to get into this line of work and really use my voice, like I was on my own spiritual path years prior, but to actually come up and stand up and use my voice, like I saw crystal clear the epidemic that was happening. I used to say like our society, there's an epidemic, like people are so disconnected, the box that we're living in, the pressure, this thing is going to explode. And if I don't step in and start using my voice for love and sharing what I've learned and create this space and this platform, like this is what I individually, I have to do. Like this is my soul's purpose and this is my individual part. And uh, it's crazy that, because years ago I was like, and some people would be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, there's this epidemic. You you might not see it, but it's there. And everything that's happened in the past two years, like you've said, has really brought that mental health to the surface mm-hmm. to be healed. Yes. It's what I'm choosing to believe. I'm anchored in love. Yeah. I mean, well, there's really no other alternative unless you want to live in perpetual hell. So yes, I'm with you. <laughs> but what's, what's funny is that sometimes it happens when you put yourself out there or you speak about this, you know, like it it can bring, you know, a reflection to some people and say, how can you be happy? How can you choose this? Do you know what's happening? And I'm like, I look and, you know, always send love and compassion back. And it's like, I know on such a deep level, like I've known for years, I knew it on a soul level. And I have more and more light workers, you know, are being called to the mission of really sharing all of this information. Yes. Yes. I have the same struggle sometimes because people will question, well, how can you be so happy? And don't you see what's going on in the world? And I'm like, yes, but okay. So what are we all supposed to be angry and depressed all the time? Because that's going to fix everything. No, I'm going to continue teaching. I'm going to continue holding this space the way it feels genuine and aligned for me. And Mm -hmm. I will continue helping people find that light and that alignment, which will create the shift. But perpetuating this idea of fear and anxiety and sadness and depression, like that does not heal anything. That doesn't heal you individually and that doesn't heal on a collective level. So I refuse to succumb to that because it feels just inauthentic and it quite frankly just feels wrong to me. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said there because you said, as it feels genuine to me, because you and I both, I can say this for both of us, we accept the entire range of emotions. We are like, hey, when I'm angry, I'm so the Calabrese. I get like, I get angry. And but I embrace that part of me. It's like that part of me has the expression to feel sadness, to feel some days anxiety and just be in the anxiety, but be okay being there. Some days, like whatever the range of emotion is, as opposed to, you know, pushing pushing it down. It's like, as long as it's authentic and genuine and, um, you know, on a whole as society, I think there's, you know, like there's that mask. 
that a lot of people are wearing and they haven't really had the opportunity yet to really take it off. Yes. And you can hold two feelings, experiences, beliefs at the same time. I didn't even know this until last year. I had this crazy aha moment because I was really, really sad, but I was laughing at the same time. I was crying and laughing. And I was, Connor's like holding me and I'm like, I don't understand. I'm crying and I'm happy. And he was like, you can be both. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, you can be both at the same time. And my whole world changed. I'm like, how is this possible? And I'm glad I learned that lesson then because my mom died this year. Our puppy died a month ago. And it was like, I'm happy in a lot of ways for a lot of things. And I'm also deeply, deeply sad. And I learned how to hold them at the same time and know that that's okay. So yes, you can be angry about the state of the world and frustrated and think that people are treated wrong. And a lot of decisions are being made in poor way. And you can also be happy with what's happening in your life. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that one has to take away from the other or one has to occupy all of your space. Mm, that's so powerful. I love that. Like being able to just embody both. And that's that's okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. My dear, I have loved our conversation. You too. Is there anything else that's on your heart that you just you feel like sharing right now before we sign off? No, I think that was beautiful. I loved everything we talked about. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. So where where can people find you? Yeah. So Instagram, I'm Kelly M. Tennant. My website's kellytennant.com. Uh, that's pretty much where I where I live. So you can find where me. Where I live virtually. <laughs> you guys, go check her out. I know you've loved this conversation. I've loved it. Thank you so much. Like I said, it's my first time bringing up these topics and I just, you're the perfect person to jam with. Well, I'm happy to pop your cherry. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. All of Kelly's information is in the show notes. Definitely go reach out to her there. And I would love to hear what you thought about today's topic. I loved how Kelly explained ayahuasca a little bit about the puzzle pieces and how ayahuasca and plant medicine ceremonies are sometimes like throwing your puzzle pieces up in the air, mixing yourself up, and then you know being able to put yourself back together with pieces that may have felt like they were missing. It's really fascinating. So ayahuasca is something I haven't done yet. It's something I've thought about doing. It's sort of circling in the background. And like Kelly shared, she's like, it's not something that you just go to do. It's something that you're called to. So if you are called to it, make sure to take her tips and find a center or shaman that is reputable and yeah, you want to be safe with it too. So before we jump off, if you loved today's episode and if you missed last week's episode, go listen to that one right now. My conversation with Jennifer, it's really interesting because it's similar to the conversation with Kelly. Jennifer went through a seven year mysterious illness that actually had her bedridden. Like she was pretty much completely out with three young children, no idea where the symptoms were coming from, what the root cause of it was, went to all the top doctors, saw all the top specialists, did all of the tests, tried everything with no luck until she started incorporating a gratitude practice in her life. And within one month, after seven years of being sick, she was completely healed. So go listen to that episode next. It was an incredible story. And I love it because Jennifer is so passionate about the power of gratitude and the science behind gratitude, which is something that personally I really stand behind too. There is so much science that supports the benefits of being grateful and what that does for your energy and healing your body. So go tune in there and remember if you are looking to launch your own show or if you've even thought, if it's ever even crossed your mind thinking about launching a podcast, go to the show notes right now and get your podcast launch guide. I am so excited about that resource because I am sharing everything that I did, like literally the A to Z, so much value there to get my show out. And I know how beneficial this podcasting journey has been, how incredible the podcasting journey has been for me. So if it is something that is within your heart too, don't wait, go get your guide. And next week we have another incredible guest. So until then, keep being you, be beautiful.